What a privilege it is for us to have God's Word so readily accessible. Amen. Um, it's a treasure trove for us. And sorry not to big it up too much. But <laughs> let's pray for Ben as he opens God's precious Word to us this morning. Lord, we just thank you for giving us your word, a touch point for us here on earth with you. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless Ben now, bless the preparation that he's put into this. But most of all, Lord, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak through him to each and every one of us individually and collectively as a church. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, so last week, I, uh, I threatened to spend half an hour talking about the accounting principles behind reconciliation. And I've got the microphone again, so... No, I'm just kidding. We're going to carry on looking at Colossians. Um, we are partway through. Do you need to work your magic, Alison? Um, so we're just going to dive straight back in, um, and we'll see where it takes us. So, a bit of background to fly through the background. Can you see that at the back? No, there's some squinting at the back there. Apologies. I'll try and talk through it as well. Okay, so Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, which is modern-day Turkey. It's roughly 60, AD 60. Um, it's a church he didn't plant. It's people he mostly didn't know, except for a few exceptions. And he's writing from prison. And that's an important point. That's important context um, he is writing from prison, and there's some verses there from chapter 4, just for those at the back, from chapter 4, which confirm that he is in prison. Um, so where have we got to so far? Really quickly going to cover this. You're definitely not supposed to read that, <laughs> even on the front row. That is not supposed to be legible. That is something I did just to break up the book. So the different colors are Paul kind of shifting his focus. So we start off. Uh, with that blue section at the top, and the blue means he's talking to the Colossians. So he's, he's, he's greeting them, he's, he's sharing his prayers for them, and he's kind of laying out some of the key themes for us about patience and endurance, about thankfulness, and the big one, which is around knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Then last week, we were, lo we were looking at how Paul shifted to, to focusing on Jesus, and quickly laying this foundation about who Jesus is, his supremacy, which is the, the verses that Alid kicked us off with this morning, which was you know, a great way to start. And then briefly, we touched on, very briefly last week, what that meant for the Colossians, how the reconciling work of Jesus impacted them. And then this week, we get this completely different shift. And we're no longer talking, Paul's no longer talking straight to the Colossians. He's no longer talking about Jesus. He's actually talking about himself. And... Um, it's like an introduction, and we're three weeks into our seven-week talk, and we're still on the introduction, but that's where we are. So from verse 24 in Colossians 1. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles 
the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Amazing verse. We'll come back to that. And then into chapter 2. I want you to know, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. And for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So pretty rich, pretty rich verses. And I must confess, I was dragged in a few different directions as I was preparing, which wasn't very helpful because I only had a week to do it. Um, but the one direction I did feel called to sort of talk about um, is potentially a little bit off-piste and maybe not the main thrust of this passage. So you'll have to forgive me if, if that feels like I'm taking us in a different direction, but that's my conviction. In doing that, I want to make sure that we don't miss the wood for the trees. And actually, we're going to talk about Paul being called and what that looked like for him and what that can look like for us. But in the middle of that, because Paul is talking about himself, he's actually weaving very beautifully this, this theme about how Christ is in us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ is working. Christ is our eternal destination. So um, we'll talk about Paul, but let's not miss the wood from the trees. And so I'll try and refer to that as we go through. So we're going to talk about calling. But before we do that, I just want to sort of lay out some warnings because what we're going to do here, um, we're going to learn from Paul. Uh, but we, we just need to bear in mind um, a few things. So firstly, we are not Paul, a few exceptions, but um, we are not the Apostle Paul. Um, I mean, for a whole load of reasons, we are separated by 2,000 years, about 2,000 miles. Um, we are, our story is different, you know. I put the scales up there. I was just reminded of Paul's conversion story where the scales fell off his eyes as he was prayed for. That was Paul's story. And up to that point, he had been prepared in a particular way. And after that point, he, he went through a journey. That is not your journey, and it's not my journey. Um, so let's not try and be Paul. I, I think the other thing to say is Paul had a certain occupation. And what I'm not saying here is that uh, we should throw away occupation, throw away the day job. Actually, that is where we are called to be, and that is what God is doing in us. So um, let's not lose sight of that. Second thing, even though we are all connected by context and culture, 
we are all different and all of our stories are different and where we've got to is different. So let's just not be somebody else. Be who God has called you to be. Oh. And also accept that that changes over time. Um, my, my priorities, my rhythm, my context now as a father with a young family is very different to how it was in my 20s. And I'm sure in 10, 15 years, it will be very different when they've all flown the nest. <laughs> and no, I love them. I love them. Um, but it changes, doesn't it? Life changes. And we shift over time. So bear that in mind. And <laughs> yeah. Um, and then last thing, I, I, I know I'm a, to some of you, I'm a young whippersnapper and I'm up here talking about calling. And you're thinking, well, what does Ben know about calling? And I guess I'm just, I'm just sharing some of the things that I felt challenged by as I was reading this. So I'm definitely not saying this is, I've got this all sussed. So bear that in mind. Okay. So now we've laid the ground rules. Um, let's just look at a few things uh, about the way Paul approached the calling on his life. So firstly, and this is going to sound like I'm repeating myself, he is clear on who has called him. So that's quite literally in verse 25. He says, he has become a servant to the church by the commission God gave him. But it's more than just knowing that God has called us. God has called each and every one of us. But I guess the question is, who is God? Because we all approach God in a certain way. And last week, um, Paul was laying out very clearly who God is, what God has done. And understanding that completely changes the way we respond. And it completely changes how we pursue what he's called us to do. So um, I just thought I'd put up some images, provoking images to sort of say, you know, who is God to you? Um, there are elements of, you know, true good things within each of these pictures. Judge, baby Jesus. You know, a lot of, a lot of people th think of God and they think of baby Jesus and that's their only picture of God and so they don't understand what it is to pursue him. But that was him. He boiled himself down. He distilled himself into a tiny baby. Savior on the cross, creator. The one who welcomes the prodigals. The way we understand God completely changes our response to him. It can be filled of guilt, fear, duty, or complacency. We can dismiss him completely as irrelevant. And yet Paul is spending time in prison. He's completely changed his life and thrown away what he was doing previously. And he's able to say that he rejoices in suffering because of who he sees Jesus to be, who God is to him. So a question for you, which you don't have to answer now, will probably take you about 20 years to figure out. Um, in fact, it's a lifetime to keep pursuing this, but who is Jesus to you? Who is God, the Father? Who is the Holy Spirit living in you? That is the foundation for all the rest of this stuff we're going to talk about. And I know that I need to have a bigger, bigger perspective of God. You know, that's that absolutely something I feel challenged about, following on from last week, where Paul can so clearly lay that out. 
I know that I need to respond to that. So that's the first thing. He's clear on who has called him. Secondly, strap in. Um, he's clear on what the cost is. He knows it will cost. And he starts this passage talking about his own suffering. Um, we know from elsewhere the extent of his suffering. You know, you read through Acts. You read 2 Corinthians 11 where he lists out all the things he's been through, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the, the imprisonment. He, 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 that was part of his calling. Um, and it's hopefully very different for each of us. But I suspect there is something about this that we need to just grapple with. But to lighten the mood, I thought I'd ask a, uh, a quick quiz question. Okay, uh, It's a Christian quiz <laughs> because we're at church. Um, so name the tune. As soon as you know which one I'm talking about, you shout it out. Okay, It's a Hillsong tune that was released in about 2007. Um, it was on the album Mighty to Save. And a quote from that song, the name Mighty to Save is a quote from the song in particular I'm talking about. Anybody know which one I'm talking about? The answer is the song Everyone Needs Compassion. Do you remember that one? Ah, ah yeah. Um, so just, I just want to lay out, I don't have a massive issue with the song, but I'm about to rip it to pieces. Um, <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to rip it to pieces. I just remember where I was when I first heard it. I was at a student meeting in Oxford. There were a whole load of us. Um, I was 21 years old. And, you know, the world of my oyster. And um, I remember this song coming in this meeting. And I'm thinking, oh, great, I'll sing along. And then I kind of got arrested in the second verse. Um, there's this line that says, I give my life to follow everything I believe in. And... You'd like to think I was, a, I was sort of stopped in my path because I was really challenged by it. But actually, I was stopped in my path because I thought, that's not even a Christian line. That is just a universal truth that relates to most people. Um, you know, the managing directors at my work, they could follow that. You know, they give their lives to increase their wealth, to make themselves as comfortable as possible, to maximise the salaries of their house. That, that's what they give their life to. Um, you look at my kids. You, every moment of free time, you will tell what is important to them because you will have this array of pictures of unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> that tells you what Evelyn cares about. Or you'll see Hudson, you know, you know obsessively watching FA Cup hi highlights because that that's his world. That's what he... You know, he, he connects life to that. We follow the things we believe in, um, whether or not that's theological or spiritual. Now, I know that, you know, I've since grown up a bit, and I know it's not always true. I know life isn't that simple. Um, I know that there are various other things that consume us and eat into our lives. But it's just just want to make the point, actually, we do follow the things we believe in, and we pay a price for it because we can't do everything, you know. The world tells us we can have it all. We can't have it all. We are finite. We have to make decisions and prioritize and choose one thing over another, and 
you know, we have time, relationships, energy, and we put that into certain things. And I'm reminded of when I moved back to Worcester just after, well, in 2009, and um, setting up chairs on a Sunday morning and just being kind of overwhelmed. You know, in that transition from being pre-student to post-student, you realise what the world's really like and um, realising the amount of effort that went in and the number of people who would be there on a Sunday morning to set up and, you know, put out chairs and practice and play their instruments, bake cakes, serve drinks, prepare a talk, do the kids' work, you know. And that's still the same. The same is true now. We endure and we pay a price because we believe in something. You know, we give ourselves because we believe in the community and, and the value of this community and the people around us that we love and know. Each of these things has a cost. I don't think he's here today, so I think I can say this. I think of Andy Taylor, you know. If, a, if there's a man who needs some beauty sleep, it's Andy Taylor. Oh. And yet... <laughs> I, I love Andy. It's a, it's a joke. But at 3 a.m. on a Saturday morning, you will find him walking the streets of Worcester. He's paying a price. Why is he doing it? Because he carries within him the hope of glory. And because actually he has a heart to see that hope carried to the bleakest, vomit-covered streets of our town, you know, where people, people need hope. You know, that he pays a price. I think of another person I don't think is here. Is Richard here? You know, Richard's going off to Thailand in a couple of weeks, and he's busy preparing for that. He does it because he cares for what he's doing. He's willing to pay that price. Um, I was at work a couple of months ago. We have a weekly team meeting, and different people lead it at different points. And there was a guy who was leading it, a guy called James, in front of 50 people. He's relatively new to the team, and he, um, he, give, he decides he's going to use the team meeting to give an introduction to himself. So, oh, great. So he tells us about his career. He tells us about his interests. And he ends by telling us that he is a committed Christian who's involved in doing kids' work at his church in Birmingham. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, I was, I was just so impressed because there's a risk there. You know, he's new in a job. He's trying to make an, an impression, and he knows that this will be perceived a certain way. And yes, it's not suffering in the same way that Paul had it, but it is costly. It is risky. Um, thinking of Dima was sharing with me this morning, actually, he needs a job. He needs a job, so pray for Dima. Um, he was offered a job by the post office. It involved Sundays. It's a con- Sunday contract. And he said no. There's a cost because we believe in what we're doing. We believe in what God is doing. Um, and the same is true. You know, if I look at, I'm looking out here, there are people here who've, who have paid, continue to pay a price because they believe in what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I just want to come back to Paul and remember he had this zoomed out big picture perspective. He was willing to put himself in prison, endure flogging and shipwreck. And actually, and I haven't got slides to cover this, but there are three so that phrases in this passage. 
He's so focused on the big picture. Here are the, the three so that passages. Chapter 1, verse 28. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 2. So that they may have complete... I'm, I'm skipping a few words. May have complete understanding in order that they may know Christ. And then in verse 4. So that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Paul is focused on the bigger picture. And I guess there's a challenge for me to think longer term, think bigger picture, think about the hope of glory, which isn't just the here and now. It's actually we are working and sacrificing and giving up because actually God is doing something bigger. And I guess going back to why it's not quite as simple as I give my life to follow everything I believe in, I now understand that actually, A, not everybody is free. We don't always have the freedom to just choose what we're going to give our lives to. So I get that. Um, but I think there's also something of life's relentlessness and busyness, the pressures socially, financially, professionally, that crowd in. And then there's just like the defaults, you know, it's 7.30, get the kids down, I'm exhausted. Reach for the remote control. Or, you know, reach for my phone. Doom scroll my way through two hours of my life. Um, I'm not saying these things are bad. But I think, I just invite you to um, assess. Think about what it is you give your life to. Uh, and why you do the things you do. What is it that underpins your decision, you know, reach for the phone because it's restful. If you need a rest, you, you have a rest. I'm not saying you don't have a rest. I'm saying do it because you've got a perspective of what God is doing, bigger picture. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'll stop talking about suffering for a little bit. And actually, I want to come back to that verse I, I tried to labor when we were reading through it verse 29 because when you receive a calling when you get a vision for your life and when God is the one that gives it I guess there's two temptations on the one hand you can say well God did all the calling so he can make it happen and on the other hand you can say well God's told me what to do so I'm just going to crack on I'm just going to run with that I'm going to go for it um, but Paul talks in a different way. So at the start of this passage, he says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Wouldn't it be nice to have a good long chat about that verse? He's saying, Jesus has done it, but I'm working with him. This is a partnership. And then he, you know, this is the verse we read earlier. I've put it up in the ESV just to give us a different look at it. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy working powerfully in me. Sounds pretty heavy, doesn't it? For this I toil, struggling. It gets even heavier. That word struggling is agonizominos. I'm not big on Greek. But I did just think the word agonize in there should just grab us, you know. He is willing to agonize. 
for what God has called him to. And that sounds really heavy, except that he's agonizing with all of the energy that Jesus is working in him. Not just working, but powerfully working. Christ in you means that Christ's power is within us. Christ's power is helping us in all that we do. The Greek word there is dynamite. It's dynamic. It's dynamite. It's, it's a sense that actually you are not just doing this because God told you to and you've got to get on with it. He's saying, I, my spirit is within you. I'm working within you. And I think that's important for us. Um, we partner with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the, the creator of all things, who holds all things together, who has reconciled all things to himself. He's, he's in us, and we are partnering with him. And that is mind-blowing again, but also hopefully encouraging. And I guess also just want to, this isn't drawn out here, but I think you can see it across Paul's life. Partnership is not just about him and the Holy Spirit. Partnership is working with his brother's and sisters across the churches. He, he doesn't work alone. There are people with him all the time. And Timothy is writing this letter, but there are different people in different places. So that's an important thing as well. Partnership. Okay. So that is broadly what I want to cover today. Um, but I just want to sum up and then make, make one final important point, okay? So, yeah, so just let's just remember, Jesus is the foundation. Um, and only when you understand who Jesus is and what he's done can we understand the cost we are willing to take. So live intentionally, because it will cost, um, and partner with him, because he is within you. And I guess it's just worth pausing at this point because we've just had a call this morning to pray together for our church together. And there's something about the call of God, which isn't just for us as individuals, but is actually a massively for us as a church. You know, this, these same principles here are true. For us as a church to pursue who Jesus is, keep him at the center, let him be the foundation for the way we look forward understand that there will be a cost we cannot do everything we cannot have a building in every parish in this city you know we you know we're going to find out what the cost is and it will involve giving of ourselves and we're going to partner together and we're going to do it with Jesus and that is reassuring hopefully um and then the the final point because there's a, there is a possibility as we um, as we focus here on the way Paul has been called, that we are going to miss the wood for the trees. And you might be hearing this, and it might be heavy. You might be feeling burnt out. You might be feeling tired. You could even be feeling angry that I'm suggesting we've got to do more stuff. That is entirely possible. Um, and so I just want to make sure we just come back to the beginning, come back to that foundation we were talking about, um, it is Christ who is in us. He is the hope of glory. Um, and so if you're feeling heavy, uh, let's just remember these three things. He's the cornerstone. Okay, so let's get that in place first. 
Um, and what does that mean? That means, just a reminder, if, you're, if what you're hearing here is, well, Ben's just said I've got to do a whole load, of, load more stuff. Um, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, as we know God, we respond to who he is and what he has done for us. There is nothing you can do. There is no work. There is no task. There is no calling which will complete your salvation. Jesus has reconciled you on his cross. You just have to accept him. Just need to make sure that is absolutely clear. And if you are feeling like this is a burden, maybe it's a season of rest for you. Maybe actually it's different for you. Sometimes the call of God is to look after yourself. And I um, just want to say that out loud. Because Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So um, if you can't take anything on, don't. If you're feeling like this is a burden, it's not. Walk with Jesus. He will carry our burdens. Um, and equally, if you're feeling excited because Jesus has done it all and he lives within you and you get to live that out in partnership with him, then be excited and embrace that season as well. Is that okay? I think I'm all right for time. Okay, great. Shall we pray? And then I'll um, hand over to Alad. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for all you have done. And as if that wasn't enough, we thank you that you live within us. You are at work in us. You have secured our hope of glory. And you work within us as we carry that around. And Lord, I pray for each of us here that we would know you and that all that we do would flow out of knowing you and um, that we would be excited to partner with you, Lord. But first, Lord, I pray you just lay foundations within us. Help us to grasp who you are. Amen.